we got a good word, man. I am excited about today's word. We're in 1 Thessalonians. We're in the last three verses of chapter 3. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11, 12, and 13. And we're going to end up hitting on this four-letter word that oftentimes this four-letter word gets misused or misunderstood or we don't do it well enough. And the four-letter word is this word called love. We're going to kind of start there talking about love. We're going to deviate away from that, and then we're going to end the same way. We're going to talk about this thing called love. So if you're not already there, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. You're probably already there. I'm getting there. We're in the New American Standard Bible. If you're on your phone, that's what you want, the NASB, New American Standard Bible. Chapter 3, verses 11, 12, and 13. I'm really, really excited about, I just love God's word. I know you guys do too, but this is a really powerful word for us. Verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. Remember, Paul and Silas and Timothy got chased out of town. They're trying, they're trying to get back. They're trying to get back to this church in Thessalonica. So he says, may our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another. Both things, increase and abound in love for one another. And for all people, just as we also do for you. So that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Our hearts need to be established without blame and in holiness, and that's done through this thing we call love. We're going to talk about that in a second. Church, let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we know of your love for us, and we're so grateful for it. Our lives have been changed because of it. But consequently, you've called us to love. We are blameless in holiness in how we love. Help us to do that. We love you, Lord. But we pray that we can love you perfectly and rightly and that we can love others perfectly and rightly. Ours is a life that is called to love. Help us to do that, we pray. Holy Spirit, have your way with us as we go through your word, Lord. Perform your work in us who believe. It's in your name we pray, and everybody said, amen. I want to share some, a couple of quotes from people you may or may not have heard of. They're a little older than you and I. Some were born in 300 AD, some were born in 1200, some were born in 1600, 1700. These are amazing quotes. Here's the first one from Augustine of Hippo. He was born in 354 AD. He says this, he says, you have enemies, for who can live on this earth without them? Take heed to yourselves. Love them. In no way can your enemy so hurt you by his violence as you hurt yourself if you love him not. Yeah. Wow. Richard Baxter was born in 1615 AD. He says, if you believe that Christ was more worthy of imitation than Caesar or Alexander, and that it is more glory to be a Christian than to be a conqueror, even to be a man rather than a beast, which often exceed us in strength, then contend with charity and not with violence and set meekness and love and patience against force and not force against force. 
Okay. <laughs> Napoleon Bonaparte was born in 1769. Check this out. I did the best I can. I couldn't find a smaller font. I hope this is small enough for you. Is that all right? Everybody move up. There's just something about having it all on one screen. It just, just makes it more powerful, I suppose. All right, we'll do the best we can. He was born in 1769. Check this out. He says, I know men, and I tell you, Jesus Christ was not a man. Superficial minds see a resemblance between Christ and the founders of empires and the gods of other religions. That resemblance does not exist. There is between Christianity and all other religions the distance of infinity. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon sheer force. Jesus Christ alone founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men will die for him. In every other existence but that of Christ, how many imperfections. From the first day to the last, he is the same. Majestic and simple, infinitely firm and infinitely gentle. He proposes to our faith a series of mysteries and commands with authority that we should believe them, giving no other reason than those tremendous words, I am God. Thomas Akempis was born in 1380 A.D. He says, Jesus always has many who love his heavenly kingdom, but few who bear his cross. His cross is a cross of love. That's the cross we're to bear. That's the cross he bore. It's the cross that we're called to. May we pick up our cross daily and follow him. That cross is a cross of love. John Newton was born in 1725 A.D. He used to be a slave trader. And then he got saved, and he later wrote a song that many of you may have heard of called Amazing Grace. He says this, he says, The love of God, as manifested in Jesus Christ, is what I wish to be the abiding object of my contemplation. Not merely to speculate upon it as a doctrine, but so to feel it and my own interest in it as to have my heart filled with its effects and transformed into its resemblance. That, with this glorious exemplar, meaning Jesus, that's why it's capitalized, in my view, I may be animated to a spirit of benevolence, love, and compassion to all those around me, that my love may be primarily fixed upon him, the Lord, who has so loved me, and then for his sake, diffused to all his children and to all his creatures. That's good stuff. This is a little blurb, and the, 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 the heading of it is called, When Excess is Good. Sometimes, usually, more, than, more often than not, excess is bad. But this is a little story called, When Excess is Good. Check this out. On his 99th birthday, a guy named Carl J. Prince, for many years, was the commissioner from Sweden to Canada. And he stepped quickly onto the television stage, his powerful eyes expressing the wisdom and an and understanding of his 99 years. And he was asked for rules by which such a long and useful life might be achieved. And this is how he replied. He says, I would suggest one definite rule, and that is this. One must be temperate in all things. And then he caught himself, and he added quickly, Perhaps I should say all but one. For in the Bible you can read the commandments to love the Lord with all your heart, 
soul and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. These are the only things that we can rightly do to excess. Amen? Yeah. Lord, thank you. Let's read our text again with that in mind. I want to read our text again with those things in mind, those quotes in mind. Verses 11, 12, and 13. Now, if you remember back in verse 10, that they were praying night and day most earnestly to see the church face to face so that they can complete. That's how verse 10 ends. We want to come see you, Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy say, to complete what's lacking in your faith. And then the next thing they talk about is love. Arguably, the most important thing that's probably lacking in our lives, in our walk of faith, is the ability to love, to really agape love the way God loved us. Verse 11, Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for each other, church, and for all people, not just in the church, but outside the church, just as we also do for you. Why is that important? So that, whenever you see so that, you must know that what came before is so important. So that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father when Jesus returns with his saints. It's how we're going to be looked at. It's arguably what's lacking in many of our faiths is the ability to love and to love well and to love unconditionally. It's hard. It's hard. It's not in our nature to love well but we can do so, do so through the power of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so I want to take a look at th- three takeaways from our stanza. Three takeaways from these three verses. Here's our first takeaway. <clears throat> Excuse me. The first takeaway is may every month of our Christian calendar be the month of May. What the heck does that mean? In all three of these verses... There's the word may in all three of these verses. You may not have picked up on that. And if we live like this, then every month of our Christian calendar is we're allowing the Lord to do these things, is what that means. That means to live every day with these three verses in mind. Check out verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you. Verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Church, I pray (laughs) that we may allow the Lord to have his way. That's my little Dr. Seuss rhyme for you, right? I pray that we may allow the Lord to have his way. There's three things that he does in these three verses. He directs, he causes, and he establishes. Let's see that again. Go to verse 11. Now may, now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord, may he direct. May God direct you. May he direct our steps. And then in verse 12, may the Lord cause. Cause what? Cause his purposes in you. And his purpose for us <clears throat> is to love. So may the Lord direct your steps and may the Lord cause his purposes in your life. In verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts. 
The Lord wants to direct our steps, cause his purposes in our hearts and in our lives so that our hearts are established and that we can be blameless in holiness before him. That's what the Lord desires to do. May the Lord do that in you. May the Lord do that in me. May he. May he. I just love this patient and kind language used here by Paul. May the Lord do that in you. May he direct your steps. May he cause his purposes in you. May he establish your hearts. May he? It's a cooperative effort. We have to allow the Lord to do that. The Lord God, the almighty creator of the universe, is willing, he's willing to direct us, to cause his purposes in us, and to establish us, our hearts. May he do that. It's such a great invitation. The Lord is saying, may I? May I do that in you? May I direct your steps? May I cause my purposes in you? And may I establish a good heart within you? May I? Let's allow the Lord to do that. Let's allow the Lord to do those three things. I imagine each of us awaking each day and praying that prayer. Oh Lord, may you direct my steps today. May you cause your purposes in my life that I may increase and abound in love and may you establish my heart when I go to bed. What a great prayer. We can pray these three verses every morning as we navigate the pathway of our day, the pathway of our week, the pathway of our month, the pathway of our lives. So that's our first takeaway. May every month be the month of May on your Christian calendar. May the Lord do those things in your life. Invite him. Let him. Our second takeaway. (laughs) The Lord is not a part. He's a participant. Right? I just thought that was creative. You might not like it, but it just helps me remember stuff. Oftentimes, and I get it, we, we think the Lord is apart from us because we know him to be holy and infinite and powerful. And so we assume that he's apart from us, but he's not apart. He is a participant in our lives. Check this out. We're going to read the same three verses again, and we're going to do that for our third takeaway later. Verse 11. Check it. Look, just look at this language. Now may our God and Father himself, he's not going to get somebody else to do this. He's working in our lives. He's a participant in our lives. May God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. God wants to lead you. God is leading you. Look at verse 12. And may the Lord himself, essentially is what that continues to mean, cause you to increase and abound in love for one another. And for all people, just as we also do for you. Verse 13, so that he himself may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. Church, our God is not apart. He is a participant. He's with us. He himself is with us. He is present in the working out of our stuff. Raise your hand if you're still working out some of your stuff. If you didn't raise your hand, that's the first stuff you got to start working out. Did anybody not raise their hand? Did anybody point out somebody who didn't raise their hand? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's totally a joke. If you want to tell me later, you can tell me later. He's present with us when we're working out our stuff. He doesn't say, work out your stuff, and then I'll join you later when you got it all figured out. He's like, I'm here with you. 
He himself is here with us to help us work out our stuff, which, by the way, will never stop. I don't care how much stuff you've worked out. There's more. There's just more. He has not abandoned us to figure things out on our own. He's with us to figure things out. He's like a dear friend, a devoted companion, an encouraging coach. Yes, while he is indeed a holy God and demands that we be righteous and holy before him, he comes alongside us to make that happen. Praise be to our God that he puts himself next to us and works with us. He himself does those things in us. Check out some of these other verses also throughout 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Check out 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It's the same language. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. He doesn't say go get sanctified and then come back and let's see how it's going. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God helps us to do that so we are blameless when the Lord returns. Check out 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. The Lord does that with us. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. And this is not a New Testament thought. This has been like that way from the beginning. Check out Joshua chapter 1. When the Lord says to Joshua, have I not commanded you Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord himself is with us to work out our stuff. It's powerful. Our gracious, merciful, caring, gentle, and loving Lord doesn't direct us, cause us, and establish us from a distant place, a place removed from our lives. He's with us. Our Lord himself is very much with us, church. And like me, do you sometimes lose sight of this? Like me, do you sometimes lose sight of that? The enemy wants us to lose sight of it. God's not really with you. You're abandoned. He's left you. You're alone. And God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He himself is with us all the time, all the time, in spite of how we feel, in spite of the lies that are being hurled at us, he himself is with us. Praise be to our God. A word of caution. For sure, the Lord uses us. He uses the church, the body of Christ. But it's always him at work. It's always him at work. Always. Don't steal his glory and give it to man. If God uses 
me to work something in you, if God uses you to work something in me, glory be to God. He uses us, I get that. But all glory goes to him. He's the one that directs us. He's the one that causes his purposes in us. And he's the one that establishes our hearts. And he uses the body of Christ, but let's not be a glory stealer. Let's not, let's not point to a person. We must always say, Lord, thank you. Michael's really good at this. Really, I said this last night, you weren't here. If you, if you compliment Michael in any way, shape, or form, he always Gives the glory to God, always. Well done. Glory to God, right? <laughs> Amen. I mean, I teed it up, bro. <laughs> Except that time. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Thank you for leading that way. Our Lord is indeed Lord. He directs, He causes, He establishes. And while we may not fully understand how all of this works, we know that he is the one at work. It's him. It's him. And so we turn to him. We pray to him. We trust him. We rely on him. We lean on him. We depend on him. We cling to him. We cry out to him. We praise him. We thank him, etc., etc. It's him that does it. Our third takeaway Going back to love. We started with love. We're going to go back to love. Here's our third takeaway. We have one life to love. I was trying to do a spinoff of One Life to Live. And I heard, and then I Googled it, and it was canceled in, in 2012. I was very disappointed. Used to watch, I used to watch it in college with my baseball buddies. I know that sounds crazy. We watched, I think it was One Life to Live, All My Children in General Hospital. I'm just being honest. And so I thought, oh, one life to love, that's cute. And then it's like, oh, they canceled. It was like 43 years, and then it stopped in 2012, which is just probably better. We have one life. We have one life to love. I want to read our three verses again. Because these are three verses that focus on love. They're trying to get back to this church. Now, may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you we got some things, verse 10 tells us, that they're lacking something in their faith. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you. Why is that important? So that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. If our love isn't increasing and abounding for one another and for all people, then our hearts will not be established without blame in holiness. That's the ugly side of it. Church, I want you to go in your Bibles a little to your left. Go to Matthew, first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Go to the book of Matthew. Matthew 22. I want to read these five verses. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Teacher, this guy asks Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You've heard me say this before, that all means all, that's all, all means. All means all, that's all all means. And we are to love the Lord 
our God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. And I wonder if that's true of us. This is the great and foremost commandment, Jesus said. And the second's just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. <laughs> Whoa. That's pretty intense. So all this other scripture, yep, it all hinges upon love. Loving me and loving others. Everything hinges upon those two loves. So listen carefully, because the last thing I want to do is understate something. Usually we're guilty of overstating something. I want to be sure that I don't understate something. Everything about our Christian life hinges on this sometimes fluffy word called love. Let me say that again. Everything about our Christian life hinges on this sometimes fluffy word called love. We throw around that word so easily. We misunderstand it so easily. But we are called to love. Arguably, it's what's lacking in our faith. This church, more than any other church in Scripture, is killing it. But the thing that's probably lacking is their increase in love, and that would abound as well to others. Warren Wiersbe says this, a quote from Warren Wiersbe. He says, our growing faith in God must result in a growing love for others. But true Christian love is shown not only to believers, but also toward all men. We love one another, but we also love the lost and our enemies. Abounding love must not be bound. It must be free to expand and to touch all men. Our love for God, for one another, and for all people is what establishes our heart and makes us without blame in holiness before our God and Father, verse 13 tells us. Our love for God, for one another, and for all people is what establishes our heart. That means it strengthens our heart. Our heart is good. It's in good shape. And it's what makes us without blame in holiness before our God and Father, verse 13 tells us. How are our hearts? How are our hearts? It says our hearts will be strengthened and established if we love well. And so I ask you, how is your heart? Are they strong and established? What must increase? We must increase and overflow in love. It's the only way for our hearts to be established in blameless and holiness before our God. We must increase and overflow in love. Is our love being measured? Is our love being measured? Can, can you say if your love is increasing and abounding? Or is it decreasing and drought-like? You're in a drought. <laughs> if it is not increasing and overflowing, as verse 12 tells us, then we must be fighting the Lord as He is the one who causes it. Look what verse 12 says. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people. If it's not increasing and overflowing, then we're fighting God. Confess that and repent and just say, Lord, I don't want to fight you anymore. I want your love. I need your love. I want my heart to be established. I want it to be overflowing and abounding and increasing. And stop fighting the Lord. 
So <laughs> I wonder, are you noted? Are you well known for your love? Many people are known for many things, right? Andreas, say, like, oh, I know Andreas. That dude is known for his love. I don't know anything else about that guy, but he is renowned for his love. Are we known, are we famous for our love? When people think of you, when people think of us, when people think of Christians, when people think of this church, when they think of that church, they say, wow, I don't know much about that church, but they are known for their love. Are we known, are we renowned, are we famous for the love that we have? Do you even want to be? If you're not well known for your love, do you, do you want to be? Is that a desire of yours? Imagine the church. If it were true of all of us that we were increasing and overflowing in love for one another and for all people. Not our church, the church globally. Imagine if verse 12 were true of us that we were increasing and overflowing in love for one another and for all people. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine the impact when that's not true. <laughs> it's not a pretty picture. Check out this commentary. I think this is fantastic. To be true to the scriptures, we must demonstrate by our actions that a loveless Christianity is an oxymoron. A gospel lacking love is a heresy. And true Christian maturity is measured by the character of one's love, not the complexity of one's theology. Can I get an amen? Amen to that. Theology is complicated at times, for sure. Love's pretty simple. <laughs> it's pretty simple. I want to close by turning to 1 John. Go to your right after Hebrews and James and 1 and 2 Peter. You'll find 1 John. Go to 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> I remember when my kids were small. And that means I was younger. And I remember this, these verses in the song. Remember this song, Beloved, right? Beloved, let us love one another, love one another. For love is from God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Remember that song? I don't remember it. Let's love one another, 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Yeah. <laughs> Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, right? Is that, is that how they say that? I just, right, it helps you remember. It's just a great verses, man. Sorry, look for my little sidetrack. I tried out for American Idol. They said, keep your day job. 1 John, starting at verse 7, chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love, ouch, does not know God. For God is love. And by this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him and love through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the substitute for our sins. Beloved, 
If God so loved us, we also ought, ought is a command, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us and that's how we see God. Amen? It's a great word for us. Ah, I just love those verses. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. And as we pray, the worship team is going to close this in song as they work their way up. And if you need prayer, please see our prayer team down here in the corner to my left. If you need prayer for anything, get prayed for. Let's pray, church. <clears throat> Almighty God, we are just so grateful for your love. And Lord, we're challenged because we're called to a life of love. And Lord, we're not capable of that. <laughs> Lord, you know what man's capable of. But Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, we can do all things through him who strengthens us, Lord. You've called us to love. We prove that we know you by the love that we have for you, for one another, and for all people. Lord, if we're loving well, <clears throat> I'm grateful to know that. But if we're not, help us, please, to love better. We thank you for your love. It's in your name we pray. Amen.